You are listening to an audio from Redemption City Church. If you would like to explore more resources or donate to this ministry, go to www.visitredemptioncc.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? All right. Well, I'm glad we got our mic working. So um, praise God for that. If this is your first time here, I am so excited that you made it out on our Celebration Sunday. And hopefully someone who's been regularly attending has made you feel um, welcomed. And if you've been hanging out with us for the whole summer, we really do hope you are growing in your relationship with the Lord. And so if you don't know, we as a church, Redemption City Church, we've been working through a nine-part series, which last week we extended to be a 10-part series, which is essentially us as a church establishing our values and our characteristics that we want to be known for and ultimately marked by. So this is the very end of this series. So we're going to take a look at the screen right now, and let's see where the Lord has taken us. So we started off with our very first service, guys, our very first service service as Redemption City Church on June 9th. And we talked about what does it mean for us as a community to be marked by the gospel and then what does it mean to be marked by grace and what does it mean to be marked by generosity and then on june 30th this is my favorite thing to always communicate we had some issues coming here to the arbory and we were not able to meet and so we all went like the bible lovers that we are to pastor jack's house and we had a special pancakes prayer and pathway conversation and we leaned in and we asked the lord might provide somewhere for us to do service and so within less than seven days are you ready in less than seven days we got an email from the arbory's legal team saying that we would be able to come back for the foreseeable future and we celebrate it because god is good do we serve a good god yeah oh that is do we really serve a good god do you believe that right he's a great god and so we came back the very next week because god is good and on july 7th we talked about what does it mean to be marked by gathering And then what does it mean to be marked by going, right? And then we turned on July 21st to the relationship part of this series, right? Because God cares about relationship. It's how he's most revealed himself. And so we looked at a two-part kind of segment on what does it mean to be marked by biblical manhood and womanhood. And we looked at what's that foundation that's laid in Genesis? And then how do we apply that to our lives? And then when you build upon, right, here we go, biblical manhood and womanhood, how do we now execute that as family units how do we do that as a unit in unity and so last week we got ready to land the plane of our series talking about what does it mean for us as a church to be a covenant family and to have a covenant membership and so we've talked about what that looks like from a biblical foundational standpoint and so today we're going to be looking at what does it mean for us to be a covenant family and membership specifically here at redemption city church and so if you have your bibles and i really hope that you're bringing your bibles open it up to hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 and um, we have a few things to talk about but we're going to actually be picking up in hebrews 13 in just um, a little bit and so um, if you don't have your own bibles if you look to the left of you in the windowsills we have orange or turquoise actually orange turquoise bibles um, in the windowsills and we just ask that if you use one that you would just put them back at the end of service and so Before this series started, we made the resolve, we made the resolve that we wanted to take our time throughout the whole series to explain 
why we do the things that we do here as a church. And so I want to do that one more time as we conclude this series. We use the ESV, which stands for the English Standard Version of the Bible. And we do that because me and Pastor Jack, as pastors and elders of this church, believe the ESV is the best word-for-word translation of the Bible that is also readable for the everyday believer. And so um, that is why we use that. And we're hoping that if you're going to continue to be here at Redemption City Church, that you would consider using that as your primary translation for you to do as a family discipleship. And so um, just like last time, I just want to continue to lay down some proper foundations one more time as we conclude the service. Okay. And so here it is. It's on the screen for you. We believe, we believe this with all of our heart, that the God of the Bible is true and that he is the only real God and that he has created everything, absolutely everything that exists, including certain systems and institutions like institutions like um, the institution of marriage and the institution of family. And now we're going to be specifically talking about the institution of the church. Now, he's done this for two reasons. OK, ready? Number one is for the first reason is for the glory of his name. Right. Like. If you don't take anything else away from everything that we've talked about for the last 10 and a half weeks, I want you to know that all of who you are and all that who you will become and all that you see around you and everything you see outside these windows and this beautiful creation that we have, this beautiful view we have next to the Arbery, all of it is for the glory of God, right? Like, I'm not the main point. You're not the main point. God is the main point. And as you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus, you will learn that that is a really, really good thing. All right. Here's the second thing. The second reason is it's for the joy of his people. Right. The word of God always lays out for us what is best in the end. And it leads. You track with me. It leads to our ultimate joy. All right. And so I want to share a quote as we begin, as we get ready to dive into today's sermon, a quote from St. Cyprian. And he was one of the great early Latin church fathers. In fact, he's considered only second to, um, to Tertullian for the early church. OK, so I'm going to read this to you. The spouse of Christ cannot be adulterous. She is uncorrupted and pure. OK, focus in. She knows one home. She guards with chaste modesty and the sanctity of one couch she keeps us for god she appoints the sons whom she has born for the kingdom whoever is separated from the church is joined to an adulteress and is separated from the promises of the church nor can he who forsakes the church of christ attain to the rewards of christ he is a stranger he is profane he is an enemy he can no longer have god for his father, for, excuse me, who has not the church for his mother. Now, one of the things that really, I'm just going to be honest with you, like I always am, that really annoys me about theological rhetoric at times is how inaccessible it is for the everyday reader, right? It's like one of my pet peeves, like I'm all about learning, I'm in school, um, I believe in ceremony, but when, when, when we can't understand the essence of what something's being communicated, I find it to be really unhelpful. So I spent some time and I actually um, constructed and rewrote what I believe St. Cyprian um, was communicating so that we can gain all of what he was saying, right? This is from a different time. They talk differently. And so what I want you to do is I want you to keep your eyes up on the screen and then I'm going to read it to you in a more read. Uh, um, a more everyday reader um, way. Okay, here we go. The church cannot be unfaithful. 
The church is to be uncorrupted and pure. Are you seeing that? The church is to guard itself with earnestness, the holiness of its home. The church keeps our eyes on God. The church prepares the people of God for kingdom work. Are you seeing that? You can see this. Whoever is separate from the church and is joined to the unfaithful, they are separated from the promises of the church. Nor can the one who abandons the church of Christ receive any of the rewards that comes from being in a relationship with Christ. That person is a stranger, he is ungodly, and he is an enemy. He can no longer have God for his father, ready, because he has not chosen the church, which is the bride, to be his mother. And these are very weighty words from St. Cyprian, and we're going to talk about that today. Let's pray. God, we are gathered here today, and we do that by faith, seeking to lift up your name higher, higher than all names, Lord. We want to know you more, so much more, Father. It's the reason why we are here, spending our time, opening our hearts, sharing our money, singing songs of adoration to your name. Lord, last week we learned that we are designed and created for relationship relationship with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and relationships with you as sons and daughters, to have a, a good and a right and a true and a perfect and a majestic good, good Father. So Lord, as we look to the institution of covenant membership, and as we explore what that might mean for us here at Redemption City Church, Father, first forgive me of all my iniquities and all my sins that would hinder me from being your instrument of a perfect song of your truth proclaimed from this Holy Bible. And Lord, forgive each hearer that's here today of their sin that might harden their heart from gladly interacting with your truth and becoming a doer of your word. So soft hearts, Lord, soft hearts. It's because of your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So I just want to continue to lay a proper foundation because the things we're talking about, I've been saying this ever since we started the relationship portion, the things we're talking about today really run close to some people's heart. And here's the thing, when you're dealing with relationships, they really do run close to people's pain. Think about it. We talked about marriage, right? Marriage is a beautiful thing, but when marriage goes wrong, it's extremely painful, right? We talked about the families. Families is a beautiful thing, but when the family becomes broken, it can be a painful thing. And so to, now we're talking about covenant membership. And guess what? Covenant membership at a church involves a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of relationships, and that can be a painful thing, right? And so whenever you have broken people and hurt people, we hurt people. This is the reality. And there are people here today, I have no doubt about it, who have been hurt in the church, all right? And so I want to I want, I lean in and I want to share this with you. This conversation about covenant membership and families has 100% divided marriages, it's divided families, it's divided churches, and it has divided denominations, but we are not here to have a theological argument and debate. We're here as a brand new church to establish what we are going to be known for and ultimately marked by. Does that make sense? So more than anything, I just want to start off by humbly sharing with all earnestness that um, it is so important, and I'm going to lean in more than you've ever heard me lean in about this. It is so important on today's topic that if you were not here last week, 
or you did not have an opportunity to watch this sermon online, I want to stress it is so important for you to go back and to listen to Covenant Membership and Family Part 1. Listen, we spent over an hour laying down a proper biblical foundation of what God has done to design His church. Like, I want you to know that we looked over, we either looked at or referenced over 14 different passages. You know, kind of like when we did Man and Woman, and we leaned in, okay? And we looked at all these passages because it's important for you to know that today. Like, if this is your first time here, or you weren't here last week, I want you to know we take the Bible serious here. The Bible is serious. And so, um, if you weren't here, you really need to go back. You need to get that foundation from a biblical perspective. Like, I want to be faithful to the Word of God. I want to be faithful before you with the Word of God, and that requires me to lean in and to really make that ask today that you go back and listen to part one. And listen, I'm not asking this because I want you to hear my voice at all. I'm asking this because I want you to see Scripture. I want you to move the needle of your faith from only hearing inspirational motivational conversations like that's what I'm, I'm not here for that i'm not here to motivate you i'm here to help you see scripture rightly because scripture instructs and it convicts and it commands and when it's fueled by the power of the holy spirit and by the blood of jesus it saves right but it doesn't just save like in a salvation way although that's ultimate right it saves in practical ways when you lean in and you understand scripture, it saves from things like heartache in life and misunderstandings in your life and tragedies that don't have to occur in your life. And honestly, it helps you to live in the design that God has for you. And I want that for you. So here's gonna be my absolute best attempt. In your roadmap, you have an extra sheet called the review sheet. Like, I've never done that before, but that's how much I was like, I cannot faithfully have this application conversation without knowing that we at least have a, 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 a good review. And listen, we're not going to have a brief review. That wouldn't be the right, that wouldn't be the right language. We're going to have a sufficient review of what we did last week so that we can wisely interact with what God has for us this week. Does that make sense? Okay, so here we go. Now, we're not going to be able to take a long, a long time in there. You're going to have to go back to, for, for me to nuance it, but we're going to work through it quickly. Okay, so just like last week, I want you to know as we talk about covenant family membership um, that this is all about this. Jesus is Lord, and that has real consequences for the life of the church. And it's always been that way, always throughout the Bible, right? Like, remember, we talked about this, like God has never said to his people in the Old Testament, and New Testament, when they would travel to different cultures and nations, that they should go around asking everyone what their preference would be for worship services. You don't see that. And then I gave this example. Can you imagine Moses? <laughs> Can you imagine him going to all the different tents in the land of the Canaanites saying, excuse me, Canaanites, um, before we set up our tabernacle here, um, we want to know um, how you want the tabernacle to look. Like, you don't see that, right? That would have been the wrong starting point. Like, God did not make the tabernacle for the, for the Canaanites, and it was definitely not created for the unbeliever. Yet somehow, in our churches, and in the ways we've done memberships, it's become just that. Namely, a watered-down culture where we focus on the unbelieving world in our church that's called a seeker-sensitive church, or it's become about catering to every individual believer's preference. 
But we, then we learn that nowhere in Scripture do we see God creating a culture built upon these six examples. I'm going to go through them quickly, okay? We don't see this anywhere in Scripture. If you do, you let me know. I want to go to coffee because I, I, want, I want to learn from you. Number one, have you ever seen this in the Bible? Um, what kind of service would you like in Galilee? I've never read that verse, but today some people are deciding what church they go to literally on the worship style. I don't like the, I don't like the guitar. I want this kind of guitar. They decide churches in that way. How about example number two? Um, excuse me, what kind of color schemes would, you, would be most ideal for you here in Rome? I, I've never read that passage in the book of Romans, right? But today, people literally leave churches because of the way the church is presented. Wow. Like, in the New Testament, they didn't even have churches. Sometimes they were in homes, in the gutter, in the muck and the mire, but we leave churches because it's not, the aesthetics don't appeal to us. Where have we gone wrong? Oh, man, I got to keep going. This is from last week. Number three, uh, do you have an aversion for how long our services are going to run here in Bethlehem? I've never seen that verse in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, right? But today, people will leave churches because the sermon's too short. The sermon's too long. Where have we went wrong as the people of God? Or how about, how about this one? Um, excuse me, what time works best for you um, here in, in Jerusalem? Because, you know, you're, an agri- you're a carpenter and you're a farmer. No, I, I've, I've never seen that one. But today we have pastors gathering together. I said it. Yeah, pastors. Speaking about my peers. Gathering for a week-long conference. Spending eight to $900 of the church's money where they can strategically plan. If we move service from 1015 and we started at 1045, our ratios means that we might get more people. Hmm. What happened to the Holy Spirit saves? The Holy Spirit draws people. Wow. Oh, how about this one? Um, what location would be most ideal for us to meet up? In the middle of the city or on the outside of the city? No, I, ha- I haven't read that in Scripture, but today this is an absolute deal breaker. Did you know, statistically, that if Redemption City Church moved from the Arbory or lost the Arbory, if we were to move less than 15 miles away from this location, over 60% of you would not come with us because it would no longer be convenient. Or how about this last one? Do you have a specific, by the way, folks, they would travel barefoot long distances, but it would be inconvenient 15 miles further. How about number six? Do you have a specific request for the children's program here in Macedonia? You read that one passage? I haven't read that passage in the book of Acts, but today nothing is more important. We will compromise faithful good preaching. We will compromise everything as long as our kids are being entertained. But in scripture, we see God describing and prescribing what worship should be looked like. Remember that? We talked about this last week. If you were here, we see that. And then we see the apostles and the disciples following after him in that posture, right? And so he's called me and he's called you to follow the apostles as they followed Christ in that same posture. Now, listen, if we're going to take that seriously, we laid this foundation last week. If we're going to take that seriously, we need to care about what the Bible has to say. we got to take that seriously. So then we pose this question, all right? We're going fast. I'll slow down once we get to what we're talking about today. So then we pose this question. What does Scripture say about how much 
or how little Christians should come together to be committed to a church. What does the Bible have to say about that? We, we looked at that. And then we posed this question, is church membership even necessary? Because we looked at how it's prevailing in our culture, most people will say this in today's culture, I'm a Christian, as long as I believe in God and my faith is in Him, He saved me and my church membership is not important. That's a man-made institution. And then we explored, is that true? Is it true? Did we make up this thing, membership, or does the Bible make this thing up? We looked at that. And so if you're in that camp and you're still believing that, um, man, this, this whole membership thing, that's a man-made thing. I don't need that. It's just me and Jesus, you know, authentic relationship with God. I want to lovingly and gently restate what I said last week. If that's you, I want you to know as Christians, as a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting disciples of Christ, that that is wrong. But I want to lean in further. It's dangerously wrong. It's dangerously wrong. And then we learn why and how have we arrived here in this place, in this state, where we believe those things. And so we looked at, and we're going to look at them really quickly, we, we, we looked at two things that are actively hindering our ability to see church membership rightly. Okay? So here we go, on the screen. This is part of your review. We have a culture that is fearful and leery of institutions, right? So whether that's the of all institutions, it could be the institution of marriage, family, church, any institution that has authority in it, there's been abuse, right? Marriage, right, is a beautiful thing, but when it goes wrong, abuse happens, or the abuse in families, or of any type of authority figure. When abuse happens, think about this, it skews how you see that in the future. If you have a beautiful marriage, and then your kids grow up and they say, Mom and Daddy, should I get married? It's a beautiful thing, right? And you encourage them. If you've been ruined by a marriage or you had a terrible experience, you may have an aversion to marriage. And so because of the wounds, we have a culture of individuals who are fearful of commitment in a membership type of a way as an institution. Number two, then we said we have churches that are fearful of the backlash they might receive as spiritual institutions. And I'm talking about good churches. Are you, are you tracking with me? I'm saying good churches. But here's the thing. We said that the severe hostility that even good churches experience when they stand faithful upon the Word of God on things like um, homosexuality or abortion or abstaining from sex or gender-specific roles in a church, when churches stand firm on these things and they experience severe backlash, now, if you were here for biblical manhood and womanhood, this language is going to make sense. Um, we experience institutional, cowardly abandonment and a passive sin nature led by pastors who are too scared to stay focused on the Word of God and the people suffer. Now, we talked about so, so, so much more. And it was foundational. It was biblical. It was weighty. And ultimately, it was life changing and the big idea and the big concept of the whole sermon was this and here it is for your fill-in um, if you can write it quick enough because we're moving through this is a review church membership is a biblical concept i need you to see this that is dramatically implied you don't have to look hard it's clearly understood by biblical characters and is demonstrated throughout Scripture as a directive and a design from God. And then we looked at four ways that this is true. In fact, we looked at four ways that the Bible implies loudly, not softly, loudly, that church membership in the local church is both necessary and important. Now, here, 
here, I want to be faithful. And I, and I started off being honest with you. We cannot do a deep dive of these four things, but let me tell you, they are infinitely important. And I really want to encourage you to go back and to listen to those. I'm going to do a speed through of these four things so that we can properly hear what we need to hear this morning. Here we go. Number one, church membership is implied loudly by church gatherings. Children here today, you, you, this, you, can, you can get this. Your parents have you here. Church membership, meaning belonging to a church, is important, right? It's important to gather, to come together, to do what we're doing. So we looked at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. We can't look at that again. Um, so basically we said this in a nutshell. When Paul is writing to the church of the, of the Corinth, he's writing to a, a specific designed people. Okay. When he wrote to the church in Ephesus, he was speaking to a certain defined people. It was not generic. They were a specific people at a specific context with a specific message being given to them. They were unique. They belonged together. And so as we worked through that and we talked through that, it begged this question. We, we talked about a lot of things, right? But at the end, it, it begged this question about number one. As Christians, um, what gathering are you a part of? And more importantly, what gathering are you submitting? That word, right? We don't like that in our, our culture. What gathering and where are you submitting your life to? What does it mean to submit your life somewhere? Number two. Church membership is implied loudly, not softly, loudly by church leadership. So we looked at Hebrews 13, 17, and it was a special message to members. That's you. And then we looked at 1 Peter, and it was a special message to me and, and Pastor Jack as leaders, right? And actually, that's going to be our main focus again a little later today. Um, but we're going to keep moving. So, But it's important for you to know that it's implied loudly by church leadership. Number three, church membership is implied loudly, not softly, loudly by church discipline. Oh, what? Discipline? What? Oh, that freaks me out. The only people that get disciplined is our children, right? Like we're, we're too old for discipline. Not, not, not so. And so we looked at Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17, right? And it's basically a passage of Jesus. It's one of the few passages where Jesus actually talks about the church directly. And basically it goes into a, a conversation about, hey, if your brother sinned against you, go, go find someone else. If you still can't resolve it, get two or three more witnesses. If you can't resolve it, then he leans in. He says, tell it to the church. Tell it to the church. So we, and we looked at that. We broke it. You know how I love to do that. Verse by verse. We broke it down. Like how could Jesus say that? If, he, if there was not an expectation that there were regular people gathering, why would he say? So was he literally saying, um, go tell it to random attenders who come and go as they please. They have authority to decide over this situation? No, clearly that wouldn't make sense. He was saying that there must be a recognizable people who could handle this dispute. Um, there, there was much more. Then we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 through 13, and it talked about someone being purged. Wow. Someone being purged from the church, excommunicated. That, you don't hear about that every day in church anymore, right? Well, it's in the Bible. So we talked about that in a faithful way. And basically what we learned was, we learned that there's times, in, there's times where people that are inside the church have to be removed and put outside the church. We looked at that faithfully, all right? But we said in order for someone to be excommunicated from a church, that would imply, and it's clearly in the text, um, it would imply that they first would have to have been received and accepted. Like, here's an example. If, you have a, if, if I told everyone here today, 
uh, excuse me, everyone attending here at Redemption City Church, you have been excommunicated from LA Fitness. You'd be like, what are you talking about, bro? I don't have a membership there. You can't excommunicate me from something that I don't, what? Belong. That you don't belong to. So the fact that there's being a purging or an excommunication implies that there was an in. If there's an out, there's an in. Okay? Oh, I'm getting lost in there. i got to keep going. I just love the Bible, guys. Um, so we learned that all forms of church discipline are fueled with a hope, right? If leadership is done well and they're healthy, it's fueled with the hope of reconciliation. It's not about flexing power. The whole point is to stop a brother and sister from sinning to call them into repentance, right? That's the point of church discipline. Okay, number four, church membership is implied loudly, not softly, loudly by accountability. Thank God, right? For By accountability. So we reference, you ready? Acts 6, Galatians 1, 1 Corinthians 5, Acts 13. We looked at, we, we referenced all these, and all these passages, when you brought them together, when you put them together, it begged this question of every follower. And it begs this question of everybody here today, okay? Um, it begs this question, are you accountable to anyone? Are you accountable in your life to anyone? And I'm going to lean into all the men, specifically men who are leading families. Are you accountable to anyone? Because let me tell you something. If you think that it was God's biblical design for you to flex power and be like, oh, I'm the lead of my home, I'm the lead of my children, I'm the lead of my business, I'm the lead of the 401k. If you think that you are supposed to be ultimate in authority, you are sadly mistaken. We are, we, that includes me, we are terrible substitutes for Christ. And we are in a dangerous, dangerous place when no one is holding us accountable. Like men, you need someone in your life that can lovingly and gently rebuke you and be like, hey, bro, you're wrong. That, that, I'm just going to give that to you for free. So um, we talked about that, right? And so um, what, what, we looked at this too. What about the, what, uh, as the body of Christ, where are we committing ourselves to? With who are we committing ourselves to? So we can be spurred on in the faith because life is hard. What leadership have we put over our families? Or have we even thought through that lens? And so we said this, if you can't answer that question, the truth is you're living contrary to the pattern of the New Testament. We talked about that. And honestly, that's really contrary to how we think through church in a very liberal state here in Oregon. And then I, and I leaned in and I shared this, and I want to say it again, I say this with, with, with gentleness, I really don't care. I really don't care if that's offensive to you because it's what the Bible says, and I want to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful before you, and I want you to have hope. I want you to have restoration, hope, and reconciliation in your life. And the way that happens is by being faithful to the Word of God. But here's the problem, and this is where we kind of um, land at the plane. The problem is so often we don't know what the Bible says. D did you know that some people have been walking with the Lord in a, in a relationship with Jesus for over 12 and 15 years, and still, if they were to be honest, lack confidence? In the Bible lack I'm not talking about being a pastor I mean opening up that Bible and talking with confidence about the Bible that is not God's design did you know that like because of Jesus you have access to, to, to your father in heaven and that includes hearing his thoughts in this word this Bible is for us and so here at Redemption City Church that's my primary job as the lead pastor of preaching and vision 
is not just to teach you and to give you an inspirational message. That is not cutting it. That is not good enough. It is to open up the Bible, break it down, help build confidence so you can do that. You can do that. And I believe that with all my heart. Okay, that leads us to where we're at today. There's no other way that we can have this conversation and I have to meet God one day and I have to give an account for, the, for souls. And I can't do that without a faithful review. Is that okay? Yep. Okay. And so this leads us today, namely to describe what our aim as a church is going to be for covenant membership here at Redemption City Church so we can walk that out in Scripture. Now, over and over again, we see in Scripture, okay, lean in with me, God establishing covenants or sacred promises, okay? Covenants or sacred promises to and with His people, okay? All throughout the Bible, you're going to see those things. And in that process, He's establishing a life and a pattern of worship of how He wants that to be played out, okay? In addition to these type of divine covenants, we see the establishment of a multitude of human covenants. Human covenants are, here, here, here's how this works, okay, track with me. God proclaims things, humans respond to that with, with obligations and commitments based upon what they hear God saying. That's what a human covenant is. It's God declaring and then humans coming together with what God has declared and establishing obligations and commitments based upon that. Does that make sense? So these are viewed in the Bible as a very, very good thing. Let me say that again. Human covenants are seen in the Bible when they're done rightly as a really, really good thing. Here's why. It positions us to walk as close as possible to the image of or the Imago Dei, the image of God in our relationships. Now, here's the big question for us today. How does this play out in a local church? Specifically, here at Redemption City Church. Well, <laughs> I probably spent more time right here on my porch than anywhere else just brainstorming about how I could show you how our culture has so dramatically affected how we think through membership because of our wounds, relational wounds, how dramatic this is of how we think through memberships and how dramatically different that is in Bible in the Bible of how we think through memberships or how God has designed them. So here is the best things that I can come up with to kind of nuance the difference between how we in our culture think through memberships and how the Bible defines memberships. Okay, are you ready? Okay, here we go. Here's, here's the first difference. Um, Membership in American culture speaks to an ideology of optionality. It speaks to an ideology of optionality. Options. It's a proverbial buffet catered with an assortment of choices on the menu. Are you seeing that? It is rooted in and founded upon what benefits an individual can take advantage of. Right. And so the best example I can give you is to think through like a gym membership, right? Think about it. When you're looking for a gym, you, what are you looking for? I want the most amount of machines, machines possible. I want the best sauna, the best pool, the best kids um, daycare, and I want to pay the what? The least amount possible, right? Think about that. 
you want to get as many options as possible. You want you want that menu to be as wide as possible, but you want to you want to contribute the least amount possible. So you go, you do your due diligence, and you go around from gym to gym. Where can I get the most for the least? Right. But here's how God thinks through membership, and that's why it's called a covenant membership. Here it is. Covenant membership speaks to this. It speaks to an active participation, a type of intentionality, and a mutual commitment within the context of a beautiful relationship between God and all those who choose it. It is rooted in and founded upon not what you could take advantage of, but worship and sacrifice. Listen, covenant membership is not about looking at a menu. We have to stop doing that. This is not about saying, ooh, this church has good worship, so I'm going to go there. Ooh, I like this, their children's thing, so I'm going to do that. No, it's not, about, it's not a menu buffet where you go to five churches to put together your perfect plate. That's not what the church is about. You need to know that, okay? It's about mutual commitment. It's about worship, and it is about sacrifice. We got to get that, folks. Here's a second imagery that I wanted to paint for you so you can see how far we are as a culture and how it's impacting how we think through church. Membership in American culture speaks to a mentality and expectation of a group of people who like the same things and enjoy the same preferences. You tracking with me? It is rooted in and founded upon pleasure and enjoyment. That's how we think through membership in American culture. Now, here's the best example I could come up with when I was sitting on my porch. Um, it was really hot that day too, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, here's, here's the best I could think through. Um, I think of memberships to a golf club membership, right? Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's there's good golf there's good golf club memberships, but man, there's really no better example of man. When, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a golf membership, but man, sp look specifically, guys get together in these golf club memberships, and man, it is all about <clears throat> not just having the golf in common. It's having everything in common. It's a it's like a, it's like a different breed. It's like hey, we're all here, and we all talk a certain way. We all like to talk about this, our jobs and everything. And let me tell you, if you're not in that clique and you're not talking the same things and the same preferences, hey, it's very clear that you're on the outside. If you've ever been in a, in a golf club membership, it's like you're over there. Why are you here? And you're kind of like you're like an outcast, right? The whole point of a golf club membership is not about leaning in and intentionality and sacrifice. It's about two things. My pleasure and my enjoyment and then the occasional business deal, right? It's about pleasure, enjoyment, and the occasional business deal to my personal benefit for my company, whatever it is. Now, here's the, look, look at covenant membership in contrast. Covenant membership speaks to the reality that we are so much more, we are so much more, we were designed for so much more than to be pleasure and enjoyment leeches. Oh yeah, pleasure and enjoyment leeches. It's just sucking out life, trying to find pleasure and enjoyment all the time. We are called to be followers of Jesus, bought with his precious blood. 
We are willingly bound. That's the key. Willingly, not oh, membership. Pastor Brandon leaned in. I guess I got to do that now. You don't have to do anything. Willingly bound together as one body, one family, one people group, committed to one mission. That's the key. That's how you do it, folks. That's how you put all of our differences to the side. One mission greater than ourselves. As long as the mission is the worship style, we will have division here at Redemption City Church. We will. I don't know. I don't have to talk to you to get to know you. I know that this music I like is probably different than yours. And, um, you know, I, I, maybe you like the way the lighting is. Like, we will have division until we decide on a mission that's greater than worship styles, how long services are, and all those ancillary things. It is rooted in and founded upon not pleasure and enjoyment. No, it's God's glory and our eventual joy. The order matters. Let me do that again. God's glory. How come I didn't, when I was writing this, how come I didn't say God's glory and our joy? You know why? Because I'm not being faithful. Because this is where people go to church. They get saved. The unbeliever gets saved. They have high expectations. Now I'm gonna, my life's going to be perfect now because God saved me, right? That's what, that's, what, that's what the movies is. I said yes to Jesus. Yay! But then life's difficult still. What? What? It's still difficult. That's not what I signed up for. Well, I don't want to do that to you. So I'm going to lean in. Guess what? Usually, when you give your life to the Lord, your life gets harder. Not easier, harder. So it's important to say our eventual joy. It's the process of being sanctified, folks. It takes, it takes time. Now we're going to go and look at two passages again from last week. We're going to look at them again and we're going to look at those. First, this is to you as members of the church, okay? This is to members of the church. This is out of Hebrews 13, verse, verse 17. Here we go. Ready? Obey your leaders and submit to them hmm. for they are keeping watch over your soul souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you now remember we can't spend as much time as last week but let me say this again so we don't miss this Notice that it doesn't say obey them, submit to them so they can keep watch over your money, your marriage, um, uh, your helping you pick schools for your kids, although all those things happen just by the faithful preaching. Look at this. For they are keeping watch over the only part of you that's eternal. Everything else is temporary. It passes away. Me and Pastor Jack as elders and pastors of the church have been given a high task. It's to watch over the very part of you and the very part of your kids that lasts for an eternity. How can that possibly happen if you're not here? How can that possibly happen if we can't lead you? And how can that possibly happen if you don't allow us to lead you? Now, here's a word specifically to me and Pastor Jack. And let me tell you, this keeps me up sometimes. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5, verses 2-4 through four says this. Pastor Jack... Pastor Brandon, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, 
I love this part. I love what you're going to see right here. This is, this is the beauty of God. Um, women here today, I want, you to, I want you to have confidence in this whole, like, this, this whole, like you know, uh, let your husband lead you. I want you to see how God is caring for you, okay? I want you to see the compassion of God and the consistency of God right here. Here we go. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Here we go. Not domineering over those in your charge. If you were here for biblical man and womanhood, do you see the consistency? God is making it clear from Genesis 1 all the way to 1 Peter, which is pretty much the end of our Bible. There has never been a license for any institution, a man over his family, a pastor over his church, to lead with domineering rulership. It's never okay. Let me say it again. It is never ever, 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 ever okay to rule with a domineering rulership. We are called, and me and Pastor Jack, we look forward to doing that with loving and gentle leadership. And here's what he says. I love this. I love it. And, and just in case our britches get too big for us. And when the chief shepherd comes, I love that. Now, for some pastors, they don't like that. For me, this is a safe place. I don't want to be the chief shepherd of nobody. I'm not, I'm not good enough for that, right? And when the chief shepherd appears, thank God, right? A perfect shepherd appears. We will receive an unfading crown of glory. An unfading crown of glory. So, okay. So here's the text. You have been given some obligations and commitments in Hebrews. The elders and pastors have been given some obligation and commitments, okay, in First Peter, okay? Now, how does all this work, and, and how do we do this at our church, okay? So there's three ways that covenant membership is going to circle around here at Redemption City Church. Are you ready? Okay, here, here's how it goes. First is this. The first way is our mission. I want everybody to say our mission. mission. Say Our mission. Thanks, guys. Our mission is the what? Okay? Our mission is the what? It's what we do. That's our mission. Okay? Covenant membership here at Redemption City Church centers around our what? Our mission. Now, this, it's been on our website since, like, May. Here it is for you, in case you haven't seen it. This is our unchanging mission statement. Redemption City Church. That's us exists to glorify God by making disciples through gospel-centered worship, service, covenant family, and multiplication. This is important for families who are preparing to potentially lean in. We are resolved to risk our comfort so that we might reach our city with a message that can release freedom in Jesus in order that many would experience a redeemed life in Christ. Okay? Now, this we cannot break down fully, and we're actually going to be having a whole series, just like we did on our DNA. We're going to have a full series on our mission statement eventually. Okay? But not right now. So let me say this briefly. We're going to have gospel-centered worship. Right? Christ-centered. Not just for the not Philly, like, biblical worship. Right? This is what we're here for. Gospel-centered service. Not just um, philanthropic work, 
not community service that terminates on itself, not doing good deeds, all right? This isn't Red Cross. We're going to do gospel-centered service. So when we go and we go and serve, we want to bring the gospel with us. Everywhere we go, the gospel comes with us, it comes through us, and it is why we are there. Our children, when we start to put on more events for you, we want to give you an opportunity to do gospel-centered service. We want you to share what's in your little hearts with people. You can do that. We want to have gospel-centered covenant family. This is at your homes. At home, we want all of our homes to be gospel-centered. Not, well, we're making decisions on what's wise because the husband's really good at finances or the wife is really good. No, what does God say about your finances? What does God say about the family unit? And what does God say about anything? Gospel-centered families. And then finally, gospel-centered multiplication. We want to reproduce ourselves, and we want what's being reproduced to not be the worst part of ourselves, but the gospel-centered part of ourselves. Now, we're going to take a brief moment because we're still a church plan. I want to say, hey, kids, you guys are doing a great job. We are. We're, we're getting there, so keep trying to lean in do the best you can. I know these are long, long services because Pastor Brandon talks a lot, okay? And so just keep hanging in there, and it's going to be time for our celebration and service. And, uh, a lot of fun in a little bit. Hang in there with us. Hang tight, okay? So that's our, that's our mission, and that's our what, okay? Here's our, now, here is our DNA. This is the second thing that our covenant membership is surrounded on, and this is our how. Think about this. So what we do is our mission. How do we do our mission? I want to make this plain. Church is not supposed to be complicated, guys. I used to go to churches all the time, and I'm like, what am I doing? I don't understand. I want you to understand. This is how we, how we do what I just said. We do it through our DNA. We have eight marks of our DNA. That's what the series has been about, okay? Here we go. We do that by being marked by the gospel, okay? That's about us moving from our story into God's story, giving up our way of life for God's way of life, right? Now, we, we have that sermon, so I'm not going to go through that whole thing. Um, we do that by being marked by grace. God has been good to us, hasn't he? Hey, does anybody deserve the things that God has done in your life? No. Hey, some of us, let's be honest, some of us, we, we not only don't deserve to be here today, some of us, we know we wouldn't be here. Some of us have done things in our past and we know it's by the grace of God that we get to be here today. Some of us, we have done things and we are, it's by the grace of God that we have our marriages still. Hey, some, this is real life, this is church here. Some of us have done things and it's by the grace of God that we still have relationships with our children. And if God has given us this kind of radical grace, we are called to be marked by that kind of grace for others. Are you tracking with me? That's how we do this thing. That's how we, how do you risk your comfort? How do you reach our city? By being marked by grace. How about this one? By being marked by generosity. Hey, everything that you have belongs to God. I know we struggle so often with like the whole tithing and offering and, you know, 10% and, and that's that whole, like, you know, like, oh, and we're going to have, we're going to lean in and we're going to, we're going to talk about tithing and offering in a real way. But, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm going to give what I want to get. You know what the 10% is about? God doesn't need your money. This is a preview. Okay. God does not need your money. He is infinitely wealthy. He's infinitely rich. He lacks nothing. Tithing is a heart condition or the lack of t- Money involves a heart condition 
Tithing is a prescription for that. Tithing is about doing this. You know how you ever heard open-handed? Open-handed is not good enough. Don't be open-handed with your money because as long as you're open-handed with your money, you're still holding it. Right? We always hear, don't, don't, be, like, don't be closed around your money. Be open-handed. Not good enough. You're still holding it that way. Let it go and trust God. That's why you tithe. We've been marked by, we want to be marked by generosity because everything that we have been given belongs to God. He gave it. Some of us, it is by the grace of God that we are able to have the things we have. Our homes, our cars. How many times did you almost not make it, but God showed up? How many times did you almost not make it and God showed up for you? But generosity is not just about money. And this isn't a plug for your money. It's about being generous with your life. Sharing your life. Sharing your testimony. Sharing your story. We want to be marked by gathering. That's kind of what we're doing right now. We want to be marked by that. Taking time aside. Making it important. We want to be marked by going. Hey, we got to take all that grace, all that generosity, all that gathering. And we got to share it with the least and the lost that are out there. We want to be marked by biblical manhood and womanhood. I'm passionate about that. Men, God has things that he's prepared for us. Hey, we got men's dinner night coming up. I hope you've been making that a priority. I hope you've been leaning in. I hope you've been, I hope you've been saying like, hey, I got, I, got, I, got, I got several things going on. I got, I, got, I got my family. I got my job. I got, oh, you know what? This is a priority because I need someone accountable over my life. I can't just be walking around this world doing whatever. I want to have moments where we lean in together. Women, same thing, right? Leaning in together, working towards womanhood. We want to be marked by the unity within the family unit. Remember we talked about that. Unity, not some kind of primetime unity, right? But a Christ-centered unity. And then finally, we want to be marked by covenant family and membership. Hey, we need each other. And God's designed this for a reason. So that's how we do it. So we have our what, our mission. How we accomplish our mission is our how, by our marks. And then finally, our covenant membership is centered around our vision. Our vision is the why. Why are we doing all this? <laughs> well, we do it for the glory of God. But I don't want to just say for the glory of God, because that's one of those... We do it for salvation and justification. Remember those words that we say, but we don't always know what we're saying? Let's not be that people group. When we say to the glory of God, how does God get the glory? We do that through our 13 attributes of our vision. Okay? Our 13 attributes. Now, we're going to have a whole series on our vision, just like we did with our DNA at a later date. Okay? So we're going to walk through these briefly. We're not going to break them down. But you need to know that as you're exploring covenant membership. Here's our vision. So we have a mission. We have our DNA to accomplish this, these 13 things for God's glory. We want to do these 13 things. There's a million things. We want to know. We want to do these 13 things. Okay? Our vision is to be a gospel-saturated church that references the word of God above all things as a compass for our life through faithful preaching, teaching, and exhortation. I'm not going to read, I'm only going to read the first three, then I'm going to do like a skim through the other ones, okay? Now, how do we do that? We do that by being marked by the gospel. 
It's important. Our vision is to be a financially, financially healthy church that stewards God's resources in a way that commissions us best to thrive and be generous towards his purposes. We do that by being marked by generosity. You see how, you see how they're all connecting? All right. That's how we do that. So if you are planning on being a covenant member of this church, that's the aim. I don't want you to have to figure it out at our church. I want you to see it plainly. It shouldn't be hard. Church is not supposed to be hard. Our vision is to create a healthy atmosphere where visitors would desire to then become regular attenders. And then regular attenders would desire to become covenant members. And then covenant membership is our unwavering aim for all people. And we do that by being marked by that. Now I'm going to touch on these, these, these last ten. So our vision is to teach and disciple men towards loving and gentle leadership over their families. We want to do that. Men, we have to learn how to do that. Some of us never had that example at home. Some of us never had dads that did that. And it's difficult. But guess what? God can redeem and reconcile all things. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. We can do it together with God. Know that. Our vision is to lead men towards a path of freedom from sexual sin. That's serious here. Hey, what you're doing at night, when everyone's asleep, when your wife goes to sleep, when the kids are gone, when you're on your business, whatever you're doing, hey, hey, God sees all things. And I want you to be free. I want you to be free. I want to work through that because sexual sin, particularly with men, wrecks worlds. We want our men to be activated out of passive leadership. Lead your families with courage. We want to be marked by that. Our vision is to encourage and lift up women to be all that God's created them to be. Women, listen to me. At this church, you matter. You matter. We can't do it without you. We don't want to do it without you. You matter. You're infinitely, supremely important to God. You're supremely important to us. And if you would be patient with us men that are, have boyhood parts of us that we're still growing in, I think we can do a great job for you if you are patient with us. God has put a call on every single woman in here. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out in our community. Our vision is to encourage and uplift women. Um, excuse me. Our, our vision is to teach men and women how to endure pain. Listen, I have spent the last seven years fighting for my life. Me and my wife have lost everything. Our house, our mortgage, our cars, our retirement, everything that we planned. Everything ripped. And we came here in a little apartment with five, with, with five adults in a three-bedroom apartment. Um, and we have been working from that place. We have experienced great tragedy. My wife has experienced great tragedy. Just because I have suffered doesn't mean she has not suffered. Great tragedy. Significant losses. Me and my wife specifically, in our 14th year of ministry, walking through marital difficulty and pain in our marriage, walking through suffering, in my body and her caretaking, we want as a joint marriage front, not because we have perfect and figured it all out, but because we love you. We want to walk you through how to endure seasons of pain where God can still get the joy. We want to be real people.
doing real church. Our vision is to truly honor and lean into the older generation. Listen, you have a role here. Your story is not done. In Hebrews, when it says, run your race to the end, that's you. You can't deactivate right now. Listen, if you are in the retirement age, you have the greatest responsibility of anybody on the planet. And let me tell you why. You have the combination of wisdom of life and you have the combination of financial, you, if, you're, if you are retired, financial flexibility that all these young families do not have. You literally wake up and say, what do I want to do with my time? That is God's time. Do you realize that you are getting close to eternity? I need to lean into the older Do you know every day you are getting closer to meeting the creator of the universe? Do you really want to spend your last days? And then you see Jesus and he says, what did you do with the last 15 years? And you say, as oh, this is straight from John Piper, and you want to say, I collected seashells on my boat and I traveled the world and I went to vacation home to vacation home. That's, that's how you spent your last, hey, spend them out for the gospel. Let the last thing you do is to teach these young families here, these 30-year-olds and these 40-year-olds somethings, leading all of our kids that are eight, nine, and 10, hey, show us the way. Show us the way. Our vision is to teach our next generation that's you guys, high school students, middle school students, elementary students, the path towards making wise. I look forward to this. I have spent like eight years as a youth pastor, children's pastor. I can't wait to get into this stuff with and you guys are of age. How do you make wise decisions on school? You know, so often we're always trying to pull our kids away from the world, incubate them. Hey, arm them. How about you arm them so that they can do wise things? Raise them to be biblical men and biblical women. We can do this. Our vision is to teach and preach the full counsel of God from cover to cover. We're going to be about that. Our vision is to send out young pastors. We want to develop more pastors, and we are making a plan to bring in more leaders here. Um, our vision is to one day be a teaching institute. We want to actually put on class. Um, that's something that Pastor Jack's looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to. It's like, hey, how do you do this Bible thing? Our vision is to have a staff filled, and this is already happening. God is good. Thank you, staff, who's been here. Thank you for what you do. Um, a staff filled with servant-hearted, godly people who each have their own story of imperfections, failures, and thorns. We absolutely, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, it's a foundation for me. You can ask Pastor Jack. It was one of my big things. I was like, hey, if I'm going to lead this church, this is a, this is a deal breaker for me. Um, we could have went out to some of the universities and gotten people with fancy degrees. I didn't want any part of that. I want imperfect people with real stories. I want to get down in your life. I want to meet over coffee many times. Then I want to meet your wife before I ever introduce you to the church as a pastor. And I need to make sure you're real people with a real story. Like if you're coming and you're just going to preach and say a bunch of stuff, but, but you, there's nothing in here and you're not going to be real with people, I'm not going to put you before our people. I'm not going to do that. You have to be a real person. Okay, and we have those kind of people here, and that is good news. Okay, now this is a little bit of a long sermon. You got to lean in with me, and, and, I, and, I, and I told you that we we're going to do this for this whole series, right? Unapologetically, this is huge. This isn't going to church like any other church. We're starting a church, guys. It's a big deal. 
So this is a celebration. We're, now we're going to start landing the plane. Here we go. There are three types of people that come to church. You're getting a big, if you're just visiting today, you're going to get an education today. There's three kinds of people that come to church. Ready? Number one, visitors. Visitors. Visitors are those who come and they see. Right there. Visitors who come and they see. Sit right there. Thank you, son. That come and they see. Okay? Um, they cannot activate into the mission and the vision, and they cannot activate into, oh wait, the, the, sorry, the, the DNA, the mission, or the vision, right? Practically, they're only going to come for one or two times. They're here. Family comes out of town. They're here for Christmas. They're not going to activate into the vision. That's not their purpose. We care about our visitors. We welcome visitors. We enjoy visitors. That's what a visitor is. You tracking with me? Okay. The second kind of person that comes to church is a regular attender. A regular attender. Okay. A regular attender is those who regularly come to the same church on a regular basis. I will give you the notes if you need them, because I know I'm going fast later. Um, they come to the same church on a regular basis, but often consume instead of contribute. This is a generality, usually. Okay. Or they do this. They contribute. Here's the key. On their own terms only. According to their own preferences. Remember membership? Gym membership? Here's what a regular attender says. Listen to this. What can this church offer me? And this is what I will do for the church. What can this church, how can it benefit me? This is what I'll do for the church. Nowhere in the New Testament do you see that. Now, that's not entirely bad to say what does the church offer me. You do need to choose a church wisely. And it's not totally bad to say, here, here's what I can offer the church. It's not entirely, it's not entirely bad, but it is incomplete. It is incomplete. Last category. And then there's covenant members. Biblical members of churches. Here's what a covenant member is. Those who submit to God's design. Not their own. God's, not Brandon's. God's design, that was last week, for church and membership by joining a local body where they gladly submit their lives. That's what a covenant member is. Here's what the covenant member says. Look at the difference. What can I offer the church? Not this world. What can I offer you here? Th their posture isn't rooted in their preference, but it's in like an... It's like an Isaiah 6, 8 type of, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Do you need me to give a little bit financially? Lord, I say yes. Do you need me to give a lot in a way where it hurts me and my family financially? Lord, I say yes. Um, do you need me to lean in and to clean up trash in the bathrooms of the church? Lord, I say yes. Do you need me to serve and do worship or do you need me to serve and set up chairs lord i say yes that's the heart of a covenant member so my heart is that everyone would be in a covenant relationship with god and eventually would be in a covenant relationship with the church and let me show you what a covenant membership of a church looks like here at the city so how do you become a covenant member how do you do that 
How do you become a covenant member at Redemption City Church? Here we go. And this is where we land. This is RCC's, Redemption City Church's pathway to covenant membership. Okay? Now there's good news. You're actually having covenant membership class today. All in one. You'll see in a minute. Step one. You would first attend a covenant membership huddle. Okay? A covenant membership huddle. We're having our first one today in our cell across the street at the Arbery. We're going to be heading over there. Can you please give me a covenant membership book? Um, we're going to be going over there and we're going to be playing a game of bingo. I really hope you're going to stick around for that. Having some ice cream, raffles. We got some cool stuff. We got some cool, some cool presents we're doing out. At the end, we're going to have a 15 minute huddle. Okay. Um, and that's basically where we, we talk really quickly and then you can sign up for covenant membership and then you're going to be, you'll be able to start your covenant, your covenant membership process. Okay. But you have to attend a huddle. We will have, um, huddles, um, at different times throughout the year. Okay. But they're going to be at different times throughout the year. Our first one's today. Our next one is still being scheduled. So hopefully you can go to this first huddle for 15 minutes. Step two. You would then read your covenant membership booklet. Guys, I've been slaving over this, Pastor Jack will let you know, for uh, probably over 50, 60 hours. Okay, 50 or 60 hours. And then um, and, and, and it, it contains everything you need to know about covenant membership in here. Okay, and so then you're going to work through this covenant membership um, booklet. Okay, and so when I, when I was establishing this covenant membership um, booklet and then um, sharing it with Pastor Jack and getting his wisdom, because he's a very wise guy, um, one of the things that was really close to my heart that I was sharing with Pastor Jack is how much I wanted to make this accessible for families. Usually in churches, you have to attend like four to five classes, right, on Saturdays. I really wanted this to be accessible and as easy as possible. So here's how it works. You attend a 15-minute huddle, everything else you do from home, and then you have one more part in person. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, okay? So the next thing is you read and you work through this covenant membership booklet. Okay, here goes step three. Complete the DNA sermon series assessment. Okay, and so if you've been here the whole time, that's going to be easier for you. If you've missed some, it's not a problem. You will have what you need online, and this is going to walk you through that. Why is that important? Oftentimes, we have a low commitment culture for membership, and basically, as long as you say, I want to be here, you're a member. I'd be fine with that, except the Bible says something different. The Bible points to a high commitment right high commitment not about like don't get anxiety like not that we need all your time high commitment of me making sure that you've been taught what it means to be a member of a church and you can't be a member of a church without understanding your family right just because so my family unit is my wife aiden and aubrey just because we have someone sleep over doesn't mean they're my family unit they don't know us they don't know how we do things and why we do it this is our way of making sure that you are ready to become a covenant family member. Okay, so that's the DNA sermon series assessment. Okay, um, you may have to go back and, look, and watch some little sermons. Step four: complete the covenant membership questionnaire. Okay, that's you're gonna ask like 35 questions, and it asks you like fun questions like what's your favorite dessert, all the way to Bible questions. So me and Pastor Jack can prepare to get to know you. Um, as we get ready for you know future steps that we're going to talk about in just a moment. So where's your questionnaire? Where's your DNA assessment? They're all located in here. Okay. Um, then and then the book will point you to the connections portal online for you to do them. Here goes step five. Then you write your decision in Christ's story. Are you tracking with me? You're like oh God. So this is between 300 and 1,200 words. 
and it basically would be like a five to seven minute thing that you would read um, in your covenant membership interview, which we'll talk about in a minute. Now, why is that so important? Pastor Brandon, you, you're, you're mandating that? You're creating that? Well, no, God did, right? So this is called sharing your faith and sharing the gospel. Now, remember, if you were here for Mark by Mark by going, we talked about a devastating news. You remember that? Two out of every 10 Christians, these are Christians that have been walking with Jesus for over 10 years, have never shared their faith. They've never shared their story. You need to first have a relationship with Jesus and be saved to even start covenant membership. You need to have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You also need to be baptized. We'll talk about this in the huddle, okay? So if you've done those things, you need to be able to share your faith. We don't want to put you and make you do it up here and make you feel overwhelmed, but we want you to share that with me and Pastor Jack. Um, and all you're going to do is just read your, your, your story, okay? And how do you do that story? It tells you how to do that in here. We have a special video that was put together that explains to make it as easy as possible and a guide. All right, step six. Then you attend your covenant membership interview. Your covenant membership interview. Like, what? Interview? That sounds... Now, um, we've thought about a lot of words. You know, can we come up with a better word than interview? And that's the best word we got for now. If you got one, you can share it with us. We'd love it. You know, it's the best word we can come to. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for us to sit down with you as a family. If you're a family unit, if you're a single or individual, we sit down with you and we go through your questionnaire. We make sure you feel safe, that you're ready. Um, we, we, we talk about your spiritual gifts. We want to get you plugged in. How are you going to serve here? You know, as a covenant member, what are you going to do? Some people are going to be able to do a high commitment. Some people are going to, you know, some people are going to serve every Sunday. Some might be once a month. But what we are asking is that that's going to be a mutual conversation because that's what we're seeing in scripture. Hey, let's figure this out together. And that's where trust is built. Any good marriage is not built on men domineering, right? Right? right. right. Oh, right, right. It's, you conversate, you figure it out together, right? So if me and Pastor Jack are really honoring you as leaders, then we're gonna listen. And we're gonna make sure that we're positioning you where you can feel confident about. And me and Pastor Jack are definitely gonna do that. We want you to be happy about whatever you are deciding to serve in. This is also a time where we want to make sure if you have any special needs, right? Pastor Jack has an autoimmune disease as well as diabetes. I suffer from a disease and an injury. We have children that are on the spectrum. They have needs and they're doing a great job today. And I would like us to take a moment, even though our service is long, to clap it up for our kids right now because they're doing a great job. Um, and so we want to make sure that we are attending to you. That's what it means to have covenant family, okay? So we're going to do all that in the membership process. That's when you'll share your story um, as an individual, um, and then you'll be affirmed as a covenant member of our family, okay? Final step, final step. Step seven is you have our covenant membership celebration Sunday. So periodically throughout the year, we're going to bring up groups of those who have went through the pathway. So if you go to the huddle today and you sign up for covenant membership, you would take this, you would, you would work on this at home, we'd get you scheduled for an interview in about three to four weeks, and you'd be part of the very first, you only get to be this one time, right? You'd be part of the first group of covenant members. That's legit, that's awesome, right? I would love for you to be one of those people. And so um, basically we'd bring you up here on our covenant celebration for about five or six minutes, and we're gonna celebrate you being a covenant member, and you're gonna just share an affirmation. You don't have to talk, all you have to say is, we affirm, I'm gonna talk, and then you just say, we affirm that. And then we just hang out after. We invite you over for dinner or lunch if you would like, and we just celebrate a really cool moment as a, as a family, okay? And so that is our pathway to covenant membership. It's mostly done from home with an interview at the end, 
and a 20-minute huddle in the beginning. So let's land the plane as we prepare to celebrate. Okay, here we go. Redemption City Church was planted on June 9th, 2019. This vision started for me back in 2014 when I was laying on my back and I could not move. And I had a crazy idea that somehow one day I would plant a church. And God has been faithful. But that faithfulness has only happened because of a family like the Davis family. So Pastor Jack and Vanessa, thank you so much for leaning in, risking your comfort so that you might reach this city, giving up your comfort, leaving a secure job at Sunrise Church Hillsboro um, for a salary of $2.75 an hour to join me in my salary of $4 an hour to lead these people. Me and my wife love you, we thank you, and we're excited to continue to ministry. Everyone who's been serving, volunteering, Thank you for your service. We cannot do this without you. Those who are leaning in and thinking about being kind of members, we're so happy that you're here. I hope you're going to celebrate with us across the street, play some bingo, win, be a good sport, right? Christ is in us, guys. <laughs> so let, let's, let's close our eyes, and I want to share some things with eyes closed as we get ready to pray. Eyes are closed. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. As we conclude this series, I want you to know that we want you to have a home where you can be known, where it's okay to not be okay. Eyes are closed. Listen, we want you to have a safe community with mature believers around you that are going to run to assist you, not judge you. We want you to have a place where you can leave your work, your stress, your jobs, and just be regular people with stories of struggle and pain and needs, but hear me out. We want this to be a place where you can be challenged, lovingly and gently rebuked when you need to so you can grow. That's why you're here, right? Don't you wanna grow? We want you to come to a home where you expect the word of God to go forth. We want you to have a home where discipleship of your marriage is lifted up higher than children's programs. But here's the thing, guys, you know why? So that you can have an awesome, be an awesome, award-winning, Oscar-nominated Bible leader of your children that you were created to be. You can do that. But that's going to require everybody here with eyes closed and heads bowed as a people of God to stop hopping and shopping around churches. we got to stop. That's going to require you to have patience with us as we go through the normal childbirthing pains of being a new church. That's going to require you to risk your comfort at times to help us build this church into something beautiful. So as we conclude today's series, the very first series at Redemption City Church, an extended 13-hour conversation. That's what it's been, guys. I want you to consider all that we've discussed. I want you to imagine all the future conversations that God has for us in the future as we lean into family, the, reboot, the family reboot series and everything to come, Sunday in and Sunday out. I want you to think about the power of men's dead night and the future power of the women's walk and talks. I want you to imagine your kids going through the DNA series. Guys, do you know the DNA series is in June for them? Everything you've learned, they're going to learn. How do I become a biblical boy and a biblical girl? Now I want you to imagine leaving your ways behind for God's ways and coming together to build this beautiful church. And what a beautiful picture that can be. Lord, let it be so. Father, we thank you for this beautiful institution of a church and your design for covenant family. 
It's a difficult thing. It's a sacrificial thing. It's a costly thing. But Lord, we declare today, it is a good, good thing. Father, there are families and individuals here today that have never smelled the sweet aroma of a life that's lived, submitted to you. May they experience that. There are some here that have never tasted, really tasted and seen how good you can be when they see you in the word for themselves. Father, let them bite into that. Whether it's fear or anxiety or skepticism or pride, soften hearts, Lord. Soften hearts. This is your church. Thank you for letting us start it on June 9th. May you be with us for many years to come. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.